Okay. Hopefully that works out. I think that, I think that's okay. Yeah, actually, we'll, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. We'll just roll uh, with it. And you know, I'm the one editing this, so it's it's my problem if it doesn't work. So whatever. This is your burden. This is girl. Put your records on. The only music podcast that doesn't suck. I'm Crumb. And I'm Kay. And we're two friends who have always bonded over a shared love of sharing music. And on this podcast, we want to share that feeling with you. We're just hanging out. We're just vibing. Each episode, we'll take a different album. Maybe we know it. Maybe we don't. Maybe we love it. Maybe we hate it. And gonna talk a lot of shit so sit back and relax and go ahead let your hair down Welcome to stupid ass fucking podcast. Welcome, welcome to the we podcast. We had to endure like an hour of technical difficulties to get to. We were supposed to start an hour and 15 minutes ago. Yeah, and then my fucking internet would not work. <sighs> so Sucks to be you. Yeah. It does. It really fucking does. But enough with the self-deprecation. This is uh, Girl Put Your Records On. This is uh, an amateur podcast that we're just doing for funsies. Today we're covering Daft Punk's final album from 2013, Random Access Memories. Woo! And we are about, at the time of recording, a month out from the 10th anniversary of this album, I thought actually. it passed already. What? You know, it, it, it came out May. Yeah, it came out oh, like okay. May... Oh, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. 17th or something? I don't I know. I have the Wikipedia. Yeah, May 17th. I have the Wikipedia article open. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I should remember that because the most like nostalgic part of RAM for me is that I had pre-ordered the CD and the album came out on my last day of school and it arrived that day. So my first day of summer vacation, I got to listen to... <laughs> That's so cool. new Daft Punk album, and it was, like, beautiful. I, I was listening to it in the car today, like, just, again, to, you know, prepare. And I had, like, the same feeling, because, like, summer is starting now, and, like, I was, like, driving home, and I had the windows down, and I was like, oh, this is how it felt. This is how it felt to be young and, like, excited about music. It was amazing. I fucking love that. That's, like, basically the core conceit of, like, several of these songs. Yeah, like, it's a very summery. It's extremely summery. It's, like, the summer of fucking 1979 or whatever. Is like the vibe I get from this. So, of course, Random Access Memories was uh, Daft Punk's final album before they uh, basically dissolved in 2021 for unknown reasons, because obviously they're a very opaque like band. Very elusive. They're like aliens. Basically. And that's kind of like, in a way, that feeds into like their popularity, of course, as I'm sure everyone fucking knows. Well, Daft Punk did not become actually popular until this album came out. That's true. That's, that, 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 that's a lie. No, that's actually true. Like in the like mainstream, when when Ram came out, like that was like easily the peak of Daft Punk. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ram was actually like the only Daft Punk album to ever like, I think, release at number one on the Billboard Hot Music uh, charts. Yeah, they, their shit never charted. Like they, this was like the first time they won like any kind of like Grammys or anything for their shit. Like, mm -hmm. like they were still huge, huge, huge in electronic circles, of course. Yeah, they're more of like, you know, influencing other people who are more in the mainstream and shit. Yeah, influential kind of in the way that like Wendy Carlos is influential. Yeah, like a... 
like a pioneer kind of person who like you're not listening to on the radio but all the people who are on the radio that's who they listen to basically yeah to anyone who is actually somehow not familiar with daft punk and is listening to this these are uh two guys from france they formed in 1993 you know they met in a music school and they were like oh you know this we vibe pretty well let's uh let's make some music because we like the same music there are two members You've got Tomas Bangalter. Yes, I'm going to pronounce his name as Tomas because I'm fucking annoying. That's his name. That is his name. But a lot of people say Thomas, I've noticed. Like, they, well, they anglicize it. Who gives a shit, man? I gives a shit. <laughs> but yeah, we have uh, Tomas Bangalter. He's the taller, the silver one. He's got the sort of like a weird... He's also the better DJ between the two. I wouldn't know. I don't really listen to their individual like releases. Please listen to Club Soda. Holy shit. You know what? I'm going to after this. Fuck it. One of Whatever. the greatest house songs I've ever heard in my life. Maybe the best one ever. Shit. All right. Well, now I have to. But uh, the other member is uh, Guy Manuel de Elmim Cristo, and he is the shorter one. He's the golden one. He's got the halo helmet. Of the two, who do you guys think is like the more iconic one? Um, the the third member who left to go form Phoenix. No. See, this is okay. <laughs> yes. This is this is this is this is a perfect moment for me to hop in. Daft Punk would not exist without the Beach Boys. Okay? I mean, you're right, but I haven't done the homework specifically into we that. Gotta, no, I'm an, I'm, and it's a simple, a it's a simple story, okay? That was, that, that was a good pun. <laughs> I'm the best. I didn't know if it was intentional or not, so I didn't comment. So there is a direct line between the Beach Boys and Daft Punk. When, um, before Daft Punk was formed, and uh, it was Tomas and uh, Guillaume, and fucking what's his name from Phoenix? Laurent? Laurent? I I, I got I got to look up the guy's the guy name because I don't think it's the same. Yeah, the guy from Phoenix because I'm pretty sure it's the bassist yeah. or the guitarist. The, the three of them were actually in a band themselves together as a trio. Mm-hmm. Um, and this band was called Darlin. They were called Darlin because they're named after the Beach Boys song Darlin because they loved the Beach Boys so much that they named their band after one of their songs. And it's not even like a super popular Beach Boys song. It's kind of a deep cut. It's like a late 60s, it's a post-Pet Sounds Beach Boys song. It's a great song. But um, they released a couple songs as Darlin', namely one called Cindy So Loud, which is hilarious That's a great title. and bad. But all their music was so bad that some music journalist reviewed the their you know, EP or whatever, and said, sounds like a bunch of Daft Punk. So yeah, then, it, was a, it was specifically a music critic who said that their music sounded like a quote-unquote Daft Punky thrash. Like, Daft is in the British sense, like, stupid. There you go. That's the genesis of the name Daft Punk. It's And it's because of the Beach Boys. I think it's cool that, like, they named that band, like, after a Beach Boys deep cut, because, I mean, we'll talk about this later when we're actually, like, talking about Random Access Memories, but, like, I feel like Daft Punk was really into, like, deep cuts of, like, you know, like, pretty famous, like, musicians. Oh, and yeah. that's, like, how they sampled, you know, like, so like they were they were music nerds i mean at the end of the day they were, they were music nerds and they like they knew like what they wanted to sound like and they were able to get sounds and stuff that like no one had probably touched before yeah. to like make their own sounds yeah, absolutely. yeah exactly so i mean it's kind of cool that like they named their band like after a deep cut beach boys like like song so because like because me like it's the the idea has always like been there even if it was just like a totally different direction that's one of the things when i was listening to to ram for preparation for this podcast a thing stuck out to me that i had never really thought of but that i really really admire about daft punk and it's that they 
Throughout their career, even going so far back as Darlin, pre-Daft Punk, they always show this like very public reverence to artists that they can tra- trace their lineage from. They always are, they give these people their flowers, you know, like you have teachers and you have, you know, uh, Giorgio Bamroder and things like that. And they are always like being like, check this shit out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's one of the things that I really respect about them is that they wear their influences on their sleeve in a way that a lot of artists like otherwise never would like they get asked in interviews and they just throw out some name like oh yeah i like this guy and this guy whatever but daft punk will like straight up tell you this is who this is who made the art this is how they did it this is what we took from them go listen to that shit yeah yeah exactly that that level of of giving respect to your influences and these artists that you look up to is really admirable especially since i think daft punk probably falls into that category for a lot of artists now of artists that they draw their sound from daft punk is one of those major influences on so many artists now so it's just cool that they they've been handing it down i think the thing with daft punk for me is that like i agree with you that like i think so many artists like now like are influenced influenced by daft punk but it's not even like by like the sound but like like the image like you know like having like that 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 set that that big presence like in the mm-hmm. scene yeah because like yeah, that punk is like iconic they didn't start with the helmets no, but they're, yeah. they're iconic because like the helmets and like their stage presence and stuff you know, yeah. like, and they created like this mythos around the helmets they were like oh well there was an explosion at the studio on this date and uh, they put our brains into robots so now we're robots and so many artists have like done that exact same thing like marshmallow i don't know if he has a mythos behind that thing but he has like that mask that he like never takes off there's like dead mouse which obviously we know his face but like he wears that big ass mouse mask on stage when he's performing but he doesn't have any kind of mythos around that besides like closest thing i can think of is like the origin of the name dead mouse which is literally he was 16 and found a dead mouse inside his computer and started using it as his username online so like it's not exactly the same as like the synthesizer blew up while we were recording the music and we almost died and they transferred our consciousnesses into into these robots and now we are trying to figure out how to be humans again and like it's not as deep <laughs> yeah it's still something like really cool though like image wise yeah and like in the pyramid mm-hmm. yeah the pyramid the... uh i'm sorry you go ahead first no I, I just wanted to say the pyramid the pyramid uh, well, like, yeah like yeah i was like thinking more of the pyramid when i was like thinking about the influence and stuff because like i know y'all are like really big like porter robinson fans and like i feel like Paul Robinson for like most of his tours has been like really emph- has emphasized like on the stage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. On like on like how how like looks and the sound and like and like you know the transitions and stuff like between songs like even like different errors and like I think that's like probably his biggest like to me observing from the outside like that's probably the biggest impact that Def Punk's had on him is like just putting on like a memorable show like you're never going to forget. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And adjacent to uh, Porter Robinson, uh, Maddian's tour like Good Faith Forever. If you've ever like seen it or seen video of like any of it, you can tell that like he took a lot from Daft Punk as far as like stage design and like making the visuals part of the experience. Yeah, like, it's not a lot of artists kind of treat their visuals as like oh it's just a cool thing to have on the screen but for maddie and like this is a whole universe that he's building here yeah with for these sure. characters and he's doing all these fucking like illusions and shit like he's cloning himself <laughs> and he's like doing this fucking thing where he's standing on top of a mountain but like he's actually on this like thing that rises up and it's crazy shit yeah definitely the the staging and like very high concept visual things going on that daft punk 
started doing back in the 2000s with their with their shows with the pyramid and shit like and even the the robot costumes and stuff i feel like people take that for granted at this point now because now it's the big names and like uh you know electronic music or whatever like it's kind of just expected like oh yeah it's going to be a visual spectacle you know not just like a regular like basement rave strobe light thing it's going to be like a thing i don't i'm not i can't say for certain that daft punk was the first were the first to do that but they definitely like did it the most iconically that's another one of the ways in which Daft Punk are influential, like beyond just the music that they make and the like styles that they brought like into vogue. If you've ever gone on YouTube and like dug through fucking a bunch of music and whatnot, that's like more contemporary. You've probably come across this genre called future funk, which is literally like, what if we took the music that Daft Punk made for their album Discovery and we turned that into an entire genre? Mm-hmm. And like, that's just fucking crazy to me. Like, they were, they just were like, we like disco music. That's where a lot of this album's, like, musical DNA comes from, mm-hmm. is uh, disco records. Like, they have, they have Niall Rogers on here. They have Georgia uh, Marauder, the actual father of disco himself. They've got, right. like, all these people who are, like, integral to both, like, rock music and disco music and all these other things. And it's kind of crazy, you know? Yeah. If you've listened to this album, as you should, if you are listening to this fucking podcast then, like, you know how crazy this album is from start to finish. It's a little all over the place. It really is. The way that they've described it is that the idea is that these are all basically a bunch of random memories from another time, another place, Mm -hmm. and they're all sort of floating around this center, and that center is Touch, and we'll get to that song later on in this little recap we're going to do. Touch is, yeah, Touch is key in Mm -hmm. the whole, like, the aforementioned mythos. It's really, like, ties it all together. Yeah, like there's a reason that they ended with uh, like the final scene uh, from Electroma set to like touch. Yeah, we're gonna talk about Electroma. Yeah, we're gonna talk about Electroma. Yes! Oh my god. With that, I think we should get into the album. Okay, let's go track by track. When you click on the album, you click play. The first thing, the first song that comes up is Give Life Back to Music. First things first, the song is fucking good. The song is so good, dude. It's a, it's I so disagree. This is the worst <laughs> opening track that Daft Punk contributed really? to. On site is a better Daft Punk opening track <laughs> from this year than than this song is. I'm sorry. I, see, I think you know what? That's kind of I like them both. I'll, I'll accept that. But I'm also I, I I'm a guest by the way. I'm I'm Jay Chetta's. We didn't introduce ourselves. Should we even do that? Oh yeah. No, we we, we should do that right now. Um, y'all go first. It's your it's your show. Okay. Well, I'm Kay. I'm um. From. And I'm I'm Chetus and I'm a guest. They invite me on because I don't like this album all that much. Certified Ram hater. Yeah, we, me and uh, Crumb love the fuck out of this album, and so we felt like if it was just us, it would just be like you know being like, oh, this album's so good, this album's so good, and everyone on the planet has done that. So we wanted to have a dissenting opinion. The only reason that I allowed it is because Chetus also has qualified his dislike of Ram by stating that his favorite Daft Punk album is Human After All. 
which is based. It's, it's, it's my second favorite album. Even, um, I, even I, better. I, I think Homework's probably my first. Even, it, but it's between Homework or Alive, 1997. Even it's better. Like a toss. It just keeps getting better and better. <laughs> but but we, can, we can talk about them more as like we talk about this album because I will say that like I think On Sight is like the successor to, which I never talked about like Connie West. I'm sorry, totally different album. But like still the only really Daft Punk con- contribution besides this album from that year. Um, that felt like a sequel to Human After All. And that's, I, think, I think that's like what I really wanted. I mean, I'm really happy they like, you know, changed their sound, but like, I never hearing this, and like, I was, I was so disappointed. I was like, man. Yeah, like, I don't blame you because this album really is like stylistically a de- complete departure from everything they were doing before. Like, this is just so much cleaner. They have all these session musicians. It sounds nothing like any of their other albums yeah it doesn't it doesn't have that it doesn't have that messiness i guess is the word i would use it's like weird to me because i feel like this album is more of a successor to discovery than human after all was yeah absolutely absolutely like in terms like the sound and like the concept and stuff and like i feel like i feel like with discovery they're like okay we want want, like sample all this disco from like the 70s and like 80s or whatever that we really love and then like this album is like hey what we like made the sounds that we sampled on Discovery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't really like Discovery either, so I, I think that maybe leads into why I don't really I'm like... so glad I'm so glad that like there is someone out there who is willing to go on the record and say that they do not like Discovery by Daft Punk. I really respect that. That is one of the most like <laughs> beloved fucking records like ever made. And honestly, like I think it's overhyped too. I like it a lot. I, I'd, I'd even say I love it, but like, it's not the best one. It's a really good album. It's not the best album ever, despite how like objectively influential it's it is. It's not even the best Daft Punk album. Like, of all the Daft Punk albums, I would say Discovery probably like sparked the most like careers, like as far as inspiration and like getting people to be like, oh my mm-hmm. God, I want to make this sound. I want to get on my computer, make these sounds. Yeah. It's definitely one of those records that like, you, like your friend plays you like when you're in college and it blows your mind or whatever and like transforms your life kind of deal yeah but um yeah i guess i guess i don't, I don't really want to talk about a lot about the song because like i just was disappointed when i first heard it and like i was listening to this album a little bit before we started doing this podcast and i still kind of felt the same way i'm like okay like it's it's cool but you know we'll talk more about it because there's still like 12 other songs we can talk about yeah. that's true I think it's a I think it's a good intro. But yeah, I can't say I blame you for feeling that way because you know as we discussed, it's com- it's a complete stylistic departure from like what they were doing with Human After All. This is completely different. Mm-hmm. It's it's I think it serves its purpose as an intro. Like mm-hmm. it sets like a good tone. I think for like a lot of what you can expect from the rest of the record. Yeah, or at least for like I think the first half or so. Like after Get Lucky or so, it gets a little kind of out there, which I really The second half of the record is definitely kind of different. Except for Doing It Right, which is just in there for no reason. Yeah. (laughs) There's not not a lot to say about Doing It Right. Like even the songs I don't like here, I wrote a lot of notes. For Doing It Right, I have nothing except HHH Greg. Oh, we better better talk about that song. We're we're going to. Yeah, we absolutely. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so that's that's the intro. For, For me, me honestly listening to the record straight through the album does it doesn't really even start for me until Giorgio by Marauder like the game of love 
is I don't like that song. Yeah, I'm completely with you on that one. I really like Give Life Back to Music, but I always skip Game of Love and I go straight to Giorgio. Just because, in my personal opinion, I don't really like the slower songs when Daft Punk does them. I don't think they're like almost ever very that's, good. That's that's a valid take. Yeah, I, I, to me, it's just like it. it this the pro- my main problem I think with this record, like upon examining it with a more critical eye this time around, because you know, like I said, like I heard it day of release, but back then I was fourteen, you know, mm-hmm. and so it's been ten years. Been listening to this record. And I haven't really thought much about it other than like, I know I like it, but listening to it now again, it's like my problem is I get what they're going for, but a lot of times the earnestness of it is just like, oh God, shut the fuck up. Yeah, it gets a little (laughs) cloying at times when the album is just too earnest, you know? Yeah, it's too much. And the Game of Love just is really like, it's like like a crystallization of that, like, oh my god, please. Absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't have a lot to say about Slum, but can I tell a story really quick about this album? Yes, for the story. Because I think it kind of relates to the song. So I remember when this album came out, I was about to graduate high school. So I was probably about like 18, 19 or so. And I remember being in class, and there was this kid in my class. I didn't didn't really like him, but like he was like a music nerd kind of guy. Or he he thought, he knew everything about music but he really only listened to, like radio music and i never this album came out and he was like oh bro man he was like this this album is so good i didn't really tell him i didn't really like it and he was like um he was like well he's like you know they're really professionally like trained musicians and they're like they're really able to demonstrate like demonstrate like that on this album and i think game of life is like one of those songs where like i feel like this sounds like been done like so many times and like yeah i think it's really cool and impressive that like Daft punk is able to like replicate the sound themselves but like at the same time it's it's way too clean for me and like maybe a little bit cookie cutter to the point like if like this album came out in 2023 like i thought like like you know ai technology would have made a song if i like told them like <laughs> Like, hey, can you make me like a kind of like slow jammy like five song, you know, set like in the 80s to like a Five City yeah. cutscene? Yeah, exactly. And like, I guess putting it here is part of like trying to capture the aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And like, they do it really, really well for what it's worth. Like, we understand the intent here. The problem is. It's just not that good of a song, you know? No. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't have much to say. It goes on a bit too long. And, uh, you know, there's. We're just gonna we're just gonna go ahead and go to the the actually good one. Giorgio by Marotta, let's fucking, fucking go. Marotta. Can I tell a story about this song? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's not even it's not actually really a story. It's just sort of a comment. Um, basically, for the entirety of this album being out, uh, almost every time except probably the first time I listened to this, I would skip. Oh my god! I would just skip Giorgio by Marotta. It was always a skip for me, um, because it's just really long, and I. For a long time, I just wasn't really into songs that are like spoken word kind of stuff. And I just didn't have the patience to like sit there and wait for the, mm-hmm. like the song to start, quote unquote. But when I was re-listening to this the other day, mm-hmm. I was I, like, I, I didn't skip it. I was like, I'm not going to skip it. I haven't heard the song in full probably in like over five years. Like, let's just let's just see. And holy shit. <laughs> It is so good. Right? It is like, I was like mad. I was like, why have I skipped this so many times? The feeling that like the interview in the beginning gives me is the same feeling that like I get when I listen to like the 
spoken word ending of Last Call by Kanye. Yeah, I was just thinking, it's like, if it was in reverse, like, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't have skipped it so many times, because, like, Last Call, you have the actual song at the first couple minutes of the runtime, and then, like, the last however, like, fucking ten minutes or whatever is Kanye talking. This is, like, the reverse of that, and I was just like, fuck it, I don't want to listen to this fucking dude talk about the discotheques. <laughs> like, I don't care, you know? Like, <laughs> But, like, it's just, it, it, when the song does start, like, like really in earnest like the the beat drops or whatever you want to say mm-hmm. um my name is giovanni georgia but everybody calls me georgia yeah and, like after and the meme song plays the song is so like simple but they do such a good job of like building it up over that first couple minutes and then like the payoff is really it's worth it it's fantastic yeah absolutely i think the song replicates like the disco or the best on this whole yeah. album and like i don't i don't like this song i, don't, I really don't like this song at all um, I mean, which is not a shocker at this You're point. You're a disco hater. I'm not a disco hater, but I think a they give like the roses to Giorgio. Yeah, like it's like a homage to him because like he's iconic and he's a pioneer in that scene. So it's like you know they give his roses to him and hopefully he gets some good royalties yeah, from the song. Like, because if you've like, ever heard like, like any disco hit from the late '70s, listener Giorgio was probably either behind it or he influenced it in some way. Like he is the motherfucker. So I mean, I think it's I think it's really cool that he got on the song even as for like a spoken word like portion of it. And like I agree with Colin, like maybe it shouldn't be at the beginning. Maybe it should be like towards the end. But like. I also think this song replicates the disco the best because it reminds me of like a 12 inch like extended cut that you would find like on a 12 inch like back in the day. Absolutely. Because like the single, the single like, like I'm like imagining like buying like the radio version of the song and like the monologue is probably not there. And like the second half of the song is probably cut like in half. So it's like, it's like a four minute song the most. And he flipped, he flipped the side over to the 12 inch extended cut and they have this full song. And it's just like a, it's like a 10 minute, like disco epic. Yeah. And like, I don't really, I, I'm not even like a huge fan of it, but like, I think it's probably one of the more important songs on this album. And like, I think, and I think, and I think what they were trying to aim for from this album, like this, this song represents it best. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's probably my favorite song on the album. Yeah. For me, Giorgio is like, it's probably second favorite. And then my number one favorites are tied between like touch and contact. Those songs are insanely good, but I was going to say earlier, before we finished up uh, Game of Love, I was going to say, like, this album comes in fucking swinging with Give Life Back to Music and then slows to a crawl with Game of Love. And that's part of, like, I think that's part of why a lot of people bounce off of this the first time. That makes sense. I mean, like like uh, our boy Chettas was saying, like, On Sight being a better Daft Punk intro track than uh, Give Life Back to Music, Yeezus does not, like, it it doesn't settle down after that song like it it continues it comes out yeah. swinging and keeps Jesus swinging keeps going and but going this, and going. this record random access memories does absolutely like have a just very sudden drop in like tempo and mood and everything it's like really weird it's a bit touch and go because you have give life and then you have uh game of love you have giorgio and then you have within where things within slow once again to a funniest crawl. song Within is my is uh, this song has always cracked me up i actually really like within but only because it ties into like electroma and like this album like the way this album flirts with uh, existentialism over and over again yeah like i get that so i kind of feel bad about how funny i find it and i don't know like what it is but something about the lyrics just crack me up 
There are so many things that I don't understand. Yeah, like, it's, who it's among us bit, has not felt that? It's a, yeah, it's a little bit elementary. But like I said, this is like the first time this album like flirts with existentialism and its lyrics. And it's going to do that a fair bit like before it's over. Yeah, and this is the weakest example of them doing that. Like, Human After All, like the title track, it does such a better job with so much less distilling that like existential like trying to you know be in touch with like your humanity and emotions and like all the stuff but there's literally it just says we are human after all that's the only lyric yeah and that's something that daft punk is like especially good at is distilling they're great at it potentially complex sentiment into one little very catchy line right. they'll say television rules the nation over and over and over and you immediately get like fucking flashbacks to like every time you've ever watched your fucking parents like watch tucker carlson you're like oh yeah. my god i just think it rips <laughs> i'm not even thinking about that i'm just like man this is sick especially because i think they only recorded the human after all songs like only using like four tracks yeah or eight tracks for each so the like simplicity it's so simplistic and like very minimal but like it still hits as hard as like the discovery stuff did for me you know like they, yeah. they did more with less human after all was made in like eight weeks or so wasn't it yeah it's like it's like very fastly done but like i think that's also the beauty of it like they didn't really like prepare or like you know it's been a lot of time like overthinking it they're just kind of like okay this is how we feel and we're going to take it back to basics i can't they wait eight that that was they did that in eight weeks isn't yeah. technologic on that fucking album holy that whole album like start to finish <laughs> Bro, like, what the fuck? it was a fucking dark twisted fantasy situation where they like hunkered down in the studio and they're like all right we are not fucking leaving until this shit is done and then they did it in eight weeks they were done whole album start to finish yeah this was filmed from september 13th to november 9th of 2004 wow i don't really have a lot to say about within um i was going to say about the game of what was it the game of life the game, game, of, game love. of life <laughs> this is the game of life sponsored by milton <laughs> yeah um well, the game of love is like I think it would work a lot better if it was like two minutes. Yeah. Oh yeah. But if, we, it, but if it wasn't like its own song, like it was just kind of like attached to um, the first song. Yeah, it goes on. And like it kind of just transitioned into Georgia. Yeah, if it were like a little outro of some kind. Yeah, within is is just it's such a goofy ass song. Like at the at that point in Daft Punk's career, like they had been to, like playing around with. And, like, exploring this idea with the whole, with the robot thing and, you know, human after all and all this stuff. They've been exploring that same exact idea and they had really, like... They already cracked it in Electroma. Yeah, they had already cracked it, exactly. And then they're just, like, talking about there's so many, so many rooms to explore. But the doors look the same. I am lost. I can't even remember my name. Like, shut the fuck up. I can't even remember my name. I can tell you your name. It's fucking Guy-Manuel de Omem Cristo. <laughs> I think Whiffin is cool. I mean, I mean, like, you know, once again, like, definitely a song that wears its, like, sleep, like, its influences on the sleeve. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's, like, that one-hit wonder that, like, your parents, like, watched on, like, you know, like, on VH1, like, Rewind. Like, like you know, the one-hit wonder, like, had, like, the really, like, powerful ballads on, like, like Whiffin, like, but sounds, like, instrumental. it's not even that powerful. Like, it's kind yeah, of, like, like they, I think they could have done so much more with Within. Like, they could have taken it straight into, like, 80s ballad territory and started fucking Yeah, because they already, they already have, like, at, like, vocalists like featuring on the record like get somebody else to do yeah. it yeah i wish the vocals were done by someone else like i get what well, they're going with the robot part but it makes it like comical but maybe it's the point so it's really kind of comical because like you look at this like ballad songs from like the 80s or like from like when your parents were like were growing up mm. and you're just kind of like you're like well that's corny 
maybe they were trying to go for that with, with like with Finn. I don't know, but like I, I get the intent, and like once again, like I think this is like a song that they would pick out like at a record store for like fifty cents for like the twelve inch of you know twelve inch release of it. If it was like released in the seventies, and it's like oh cool side A like sounds really good, but then side B is like the worst shit they ever heard in their life. I will for within. I will say this. Uh, unlike a lot of the songs on this album, it it does not overstay its welcome. Yeah. Um, there are some songs on here that like I think that like Giorgio and Contact and you know stuff like that where it's like okay they're kind of long but like it's fine it's good and then there's a lot of other songs on here that I'm like like why does Lose Yourself to Dance go on for so fucking long yeah that's one thing that we haven't mentioned thus far yet is the run times of these specific songs the game of love is five minutes and 22 seconds long this is a 13 track record that is over an hour it's one hour and 14 minutes that's like the upper limit of what a CD can hold too long an hour and like 19 minutes if you include the Japanese bonus track. Oh yeah, oh, Horizon fuck is yeah. really good Fucking Horizon. Yeah, Within is 3 minutes and 48 seconds, so it absolutely does not overstay its welcome because no, it it's actually the shortest song on this album. Ah, uh, so true. Yeah, so true. It is actually, yeah. damn. Now, and now that I'm looking at all of the like run times, like, why is Instant Crush so long? Why are any of these so long? Before we get into Instant Crush, I do want to say, I want to go on my little tangent about Electroma and how that ties into Within. Okay, let's go. Let's fucking go, baby. So it's like we were saying earlier, that with Within, they're just kind of retreading that same ground that they already treaded with Electroma. Like a decade prior. Well, more like five years prior, but yeah. But anyway, uh, Electroma was basically, uh, that. what that started as was uh, the music video sessions for the previous album, Human After All. Like, most of it is just cuts from that album's music videos. But, like, the way Electroma itself is presented is completely divorced from Daft Punk's music at all. Because, like, if you've ever seen it, they don't use their own music at all. Yeah. It's a bunch of other stuff. The soundtrack to Electroma is fucking iconic. Like, it is really good, yeah. International feel by Todd Rundgren is forever changed because of Electroma, in my uh-huh. mind. To our listeners who have never seen Electroma and don't feel like watching it, even though you absolutely fucking should. You don't have to. You don't have to, but you should. Uh, fundamentally, this movie is about like being different within a society that like encourages conformity. That was a consistent theme throughout Human After All, mm-hmm. rejecting conformity and like embracing your humanity in all its like imperfection. Yeah, within Electroma. How they show that is uh, you have the two members of Daft Punk. Initially, you're made to like believe that you know it, this is just Daft Punk themselves. But then they get to this little town, like after driving through the fucking desert, and if you find out that like this whole world is populated with basically just these two robots. Like you have the silver one and the gold one, and there's all these people, and they all have these like same robot parts, but they're wearing different clothes and whatnot. There's like a wedding going on between like two of them and stuff. Yeah, salient point is this is a world in which everyone is one of these two robots. But then what these two protagonists do is they put on these rubber masks that make them look a little bit like humans. Like they're very they fucked. do not look like humans. They're so creepy looking. Well no, they don't look like realistic humans, but like they look different from the rest of like their robot society, you know. And one fun little thing that you might not have noticed, the uh, likenesses of these masks are the two members of Daft Punk. You have mm-hmm. Gimanuel and you have Tomas, and like those are what they look like. 
but then like they go out into public and everyone is looking at them weird it's all fucking awkward and then eventually they start getting like chased by all these people they're like you can't fucking do that you mm-hmm. can't walk around doing this shit so then what en- what ends up happening is they go into this bathroom with their masks like still on sort of like melting because they were like out in the sun or whatever and then they just take the masks off and they throw them away and then after this they walk out into the desert and they fucking kill themselves. They, they, yeah, they rip their faces off and, like, set themselves on fire. It's, like, it's dope. It's very intense, but, like, it's a lot less, like, intimidating than it sounds. It's not, like, super gory. Yeah. It's more like, uh... It's like watching a hydraulic press video. <laughs> but with feelings. But, yeah, that whole movie is about, like, what it means to, like, be human and how, like, fundamentally humanity is, like... It doesn't fit into that binary. There's always going to be mm-hmm. aberrations and people who are different. And the message is like, you can be yourself if you want to, but everyone else is probably going to fucking shame you for it's it. It's going to be hard. It's yeah. going to be a bitch. I, I, I think it's it's definitely worth mentioning because we keep talking about how like Ram is really retreading old territory. And I think Electroma, like giving a, a summary of it really um, give, is a good example of what we're talking about mm-hmm. when we're talking about like, this has been a consistent theme that has been in Daft Punk's work, music and otherwise that they have always really dealt with, at least since Discovery and how they have in the past been able to convey those themes really, really effectively without like having it be too like corny, you know, heavy handed or, or anything like that. Just having it really be distilled down to like the hard points where Ram kind of like, eh, it's not, yeah. it's not as good at that. Very much so. It's still fucking good though. I think most of what I love about this album because I'm I'm sitting here saying all the the bad things about it which <laughs> I normally would not be doing but uh this that's the point of this this whole this whole thing that we're, we're doing on but a podcast you know it's okay to be bitchy Yeah we're we're being we're being we're being a little controversial but I think they're able to get away with it at least for me because I think that the album it sounds really good like it, on within if you took the the cornball ass like lyrics out sounds really nice or you made somebody else sing them and made daft punk like be the backing vocals yeah i mean daft punk i love when they like guessed like when they were like on uh i feel it coming by the weekend like they're in the background oh i thought that was just perfect Mm. it was just like a beautiful addition to a song that they were also producing just to have their like robot vocals in the background to this dude who can sing. Mm-hmm. But I think the album sounds, it's very like lush and like in that very 70s, 80s way. Yeah, it's extremely cleanly mixed in a way none of the songs from that era like actually are, which I find interesting. Yeah, it's it's well made. But I think that's sort of what, I think Chedas was saying that it's a little too like clean mm-hmm. and almost cookie cutter. And like, I think that's because that's, that's, because they just they really knew what the hell they were doing and it just when you really 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 know what you're doing you're not going to have these sort of little mistakes or sort of like blemishes or imperfections in your work that are you know a little more endearing to have especially in art so it's just, it's a little it's a little too shiny but i think that it, it it doesn't necessarily work against it it's really the lyrics on a lot of these songs that are like oh my god we get it did they ever tour for this album or did they only play like, the few like appearances at like the grammys and stuff for the album? 
follow. They did not tour, from what I remember. I do remember that they were supposed to be on Colbert and then bailed at the last minute. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, because I never, I didn't, I never like them seeing like play them like play the Grammys. They played like some television, you know, thing. But like I know it's just yeah, cause that, that was they won Grammys for this. Yeah, because I mean, it was really, it was really rare for them to like actually perform for this album. Yeah, at this point in in this, so this came out in 2013, and they hadn't they hadn't toured since. 2007 and haven't since yeah so let's talk about instant crush this is the second best song on this album Holy to me shit. at least um but my, my my thing about this song is it feels really out of place absolutely Very much so yeah um julie casablanca's if you're listening to this and you don't know he's known as the singer of the strokes but he also has other projects like the foys but he released a solo album in like 2009 2008 let me look this up really quick because i owned this album i bought on itunes it's like one of the few out 2009 called called um, phrases, phrases, for the young. phrases for the young and this song feels like an outtake from that album. literally that's literally it sounds it, it just sounds like uh pretty much every song on phrases for the young it's crazy it does not sound like a daft punk song yeah like, like and like i think that hurts this album like a lot like it feels really out of place but like i love it because i'm i'm a huge fan of phrases of the, for the young and like i'm a huge fan of angles which is the stroke sound that came out like in 2010 which still has like the same kind of like, influences that like i think julian's really keen on for phrases for the young because the angles recording like production if you really it's really weird because like i don't think they actually record it together um and plus he was very like in control of like what was going on so like i mean i think it's on like rules and i think like that punk does a good job like the production on this but like it does not like this is the first song on the whole album where i'm like okay like i feel like they kind of like abandoned like the whole like disco a homage thing they were going for originally like it just it feels like they were trying like make a radio hit or they're trying to like, make a hit for like the pitchfork crowd and they did and they did but yeah, I like I really like the song. I think as I said before, it's my second favorite song on the album. But it, it doesn't belong here. You could have taken the song like out. You could like cut the song from the album. And honestly, I think if you cut the song from the album, like the game of love being too long, probably is not a complaint anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Because instant crush. Here's the thing. Instant Crush is also five minutes and 37 seconds long. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty long song. But it's good. You know, this, like, whole experience of, like, having to go back and re-listen to this album, I, I know I keep saying that, but it's really been, like, kind of eye-opening for me because just, like, just to give a little background to our friends who don't know me as well, Daft Punk, for a long time, was, like, my favorite band. Imprinted on me at age 11, like, huge, hugely important. And to me, they could do no wrong, right? So when this album came out, when I was still like a teenager, I don't think I really listened to it very critically at all. I mean, like when you're a teenager, you can't really listen to very many things very critically anyway, but like even less critically than that, because like to me, it's like this is deaf fucking punk. They're legends. They're everything. They're masters. You know, they could do no wrong. But when we decided like, okay, we're going to do uh, Random Access Memories. And I was like, okay, I got to re-listen to it. First time that I put it on, I like li I listened to Give Life Back to Music and I was like, all right, awesome. Where's Instant Crush? And just skipped straight to it. And I'm thinking back like when this album had come out and I was like talking about it. Instant Crush was definitely like easily like my favorite track on the, the album. And it's only apparent to me now that it's like it's probably because it doesn't actually sound like any of the other songs on the album at all. It's it's it sticks out like a sore thumb, but in like kind of a good way. But it, it doesn't do the album any favors. Yeah. No. 
I'm the odd one out in this case because I actually don't like Instant Crush that much. And that's probably why. Like, obviously, I did not listen to this on release day, and I did not have that much prior history with Daft Punk when I first listened to Random Access Memories. Like, to me, this was completely fresh to my little, like, 17-year-old ears. And I was completely, like, bought into all the rest of the stuff prior to this point. Like, I was like, oh my god, this is so good. And then we get to Instant Crush, and I'm like, this lasts too long... And I feel like putting Julian Casablanca's vocal through the vocoder was probably not the best choice they made in the long run because it gets grating to me so quickly that way. I, I will say, I'm just going to say this like, as like a strokes Julian Casablanca's fan like that maybe probably wasn't a Daft Punk decision hmm. because he was really into like autotune and all that. Like he was super into it and like it's heavy on angles and there's that, that Lonely Allen song that he did for their second album. Oh my god, and that dude. Song is, that song is really heavy auto-tune. I loved that fucking song. That song rules, but like, I don't, I guess what I'm just trying to say is like, that's, that's probably wasn't a Daft Punk production choice. That was probably him being like, I gotta do this or else. But I agree with Kay. I don't, I, I, I think, and I think it's weird too, because like, to compare it to like, Within, which comes right before it, I feel like they were setting up like a, when we're singing about our, you know, struggles or whatever, that's when the robot voice comes out. All the other features, nobody else really gets that treatment except Julian Casablanca's. Yeah, so it's like it's like the whatever effect, if 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 any, that they were going for with trying to be intentional about who gets the who gets the vocoder and who doesn't was has been just been fucked by I'll try anything once. Motherfucker. <laughs> this is definitely Julian's best song of the year, though, because Come Down Machine came out the same year, and that is a shitty Strokes album. I will say that out loud. It's not good. It's bad. You can definitely tell they want to out of their contract deal with that album. <laughs> so yeah, second best song on the album. This song rules. Have That's... we gotten to your favorite yet? No. I guess we're going to find out soon. With that, we're going to go into the next song, Lose Yourself to Dance. I fucking love this song. This song sucks. I like this song because, as I said earlier, it has, you know, Daft Punk are not the lead singers. This is the first time Pharrell himself appears on this album. Won't be the last. I don't I don't get why it's about dancing when it's not very danceable. I find it pretty danceable, but you kind of have to, like, you have to move smooth and slow and sexy. It's like a, it's kind of like a slow. Not jam, even a little bit. You know. I do like when he says guitar, like in the background. Like yeah, that part's always that's good. Fun. Pharrell is funny, and I like that they. I like that they uh, that they collabed with Pharrell so much on uh, this album, just because they had previously worked with the Neptunes so much. And I just, I just, I just like when that they have these like connections to, uh, you know, sometimes there's like these old head artists who like, they really, really like do not like modern artists. They're like, oh, music, music sucks now. But the fact that Daft Punk, not only do they always like either collaborate with or are strongly influenced by like older musicians, 70s, you know, 80s, 60s even, but they also like have really strong ties to like Pharrell Williams and the Neptunes, uh, Kanye West, uh, The Weeknd now, like all these other people. Like, I just, I like that they're not like haters in that way. They're not like these jaded old haters. Yeah, that's another thing that I really respect about them. Not just that like they pay respects to their influences, but they don't behave as if like, oh, that's the music and everything after that is dog shit. Right, yeah, because there's a lot of artists who are like that, and mm -hmm. it's a little disappointing. It always is. Yeah. 
it's kind of wild looking back at Zal now because like 2013 like i feel like pharrell hadn't really been like in the spotlight for like years yeah because i remember his debut album came out in like 2005 2006 and like it bombed pretty bad like you know like i think everyone's expecting to be like the neptune sky could like do like a solo album it just didn't do well because i mean it was a rap album yeah, yeah. 2013 was really like his year because he was on fucking blurred lines and that song went through the goddamn roof yeah like blurred Blur lines was insane i think all the two pharrell songs on this album like this one i can withstand more <laughs> but also i didn't hear this one get ever played either yeah yeah no it's 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 like once you hear it once it's like it's just in your head it's fine you don't have to don't have to hear it again i will say though for pharrell honestly like i think it's so sad that his most popular song was happy like because yeah. even on that album that it was on the, the album girl that song marilyn monroe the fucking intro track i was obsessed with that song in 2014 when when that's when that album came out i like loved it marilyn monroe the song was so dope but then like you just have happy and then you had like the big hat and like all this weird shit and that oh that's on gust of wind sorry i just i just had totally forgotten about this about this record until we, a little bit of a tangent i think this song is cool because it uses actual like live drumming True. yeah this song has a uh, fucking what's what's his nuts john robinson it, also known as jr and he was one of he was like he worked with quincy jones a fuck ton he worked with michael jackson he's the fucking he's like a legendary session musician but yeah he was on drums and there was uh, also niall rogers on guitar who is doing a really good job but it's just not enough to carry this song in the same way that like his playing carries get lucky yeah it's like wild because like i know that like daft punk like had a hand at like actually recording this all and they probably played a few parts but this feels like they're um like you know like making the band episode true yeah and they and they assemble like the best band they could for like their sound yeah and like this is the band they made for like that one song and like you know like i'm sure they did something like i know they produced it but like you look at the credits and it's like literally other people doing everything else yeah i mean again they also produced yeezus <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they were too busy producing on site to actually work on the song. They put their whole robot pussies in, robot into on site. I definitely agree with you there, but no, I like I like the song. It's like not bad. It's, it's one of the goofier ones. Yeah, I wish I got play more. Like I know it was like uh, number one like dance single in areas, but like I feel like I I just didn't get I didn't hear this one get played at all. It, I, yeah, that's true. It was really popular. To other songs. It's kind of just a goofy ass song. It feels, it's very fun though. It does feel like, like a song that like they didn't make on purpose. Like they were just sort of mm -hmm. fucking around. Yeah. <laughs> they had Pharrell and they had Nile Rodgers and like all these people in the studio and, and they were, they were like, just well, like. we gotta make something with these motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, like, like Pharrell's already in the studio to record Get Lucky and they're like, they're like just smoking out of a basket. Out of a basket. Yeah. And like, and, and they're like, these other musicians are like, are like in other like recording studios in the same building and Daft Punk's like, Daft Punk's like, bonjour, come over here and hang out with us. <laughs> and they all just get into like the recording studio and like have like a jam session and they're like, this is brilliant. Yeah, it feels like a good it feels like a good like fun jam session and it's it's definitely like polished like it mm. sounds finished but uh it's it's just really but, goofy but yeah no i think they had a fun time recording the song and i respect it it's not a bad song actually and i think them maybe not trying to go for like i mean the song is still part of the concept so i can't say it's not part of the concept but i feel like it's i feel like it's one of the songs like it's not trying its hardest to be part of the concept yeah it feels the, uh, a lot less try hard 
Yeah, and I, I really, I respect that a lot, so. Yeah, yeah, I think there's something, like, more primal about this one. Like, it says, lose yourself to dance is the key lyric here. Like, it wants you to go back to the essence of, like, what disco is. It's music for you to fucking dance to. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I never liked the way that, like, Instant Crush and Lose Yourself to Dance kind of fade out. Like, it makes sense, because a lot of the songs from that era really did that a lose lot. Lose Yourself to Dance needs a fade out. Like that's... Yeah, I'm not sure otherwise how they'd end that that's one, good. but I still wish that they had come up with something no yeah instant crush doesn't need it they could have done whatever they wanted with instant crush like they could have gotten like like a just a random like rapper like on the end like they could have done like they could have just done whatever the fuck they wanted it doesn't matter lose yourself to dance needs a fade out to to like solidify the vibe that's fair well with that we move into the best track on the record touch touch is uh probably my favorite cut on the record aside from contact of course i think touch does what within was trying to do like actually effectively absolutely yeah so some background on this touch was written by uh paul williams who if you don't know he wrote rainbow connection for the muppet movie as well as like he worked with jim henson a fair bit and he was also in like a bunch of movies he composed a lot of stuff and he was dealing with like a lot of drug addiction throughout his life and that sort of reached it like its apex in i think the 80s or so or the 90s and at one point he was basically declared dead and they were fucking resuscitated him they brought his ass back to life and at that point he was like okay i'm going to get clean now i've had enough of this shit so then in like 2012 or so daft punk hits him up and they're like hey you want to collab and he's like yeah so they gave him this book about uh, people who had had sort of the same experience that he did, where they were declared dead and then brought basically back to life. And then those people sort of experienced like what they believed to be these memories from past lives. And that's the core concept at the uh, heart of touch and ultimately at the heart of random access memories. It's that feeling of all these like little pieces of memories that you can't necessarily like grab hold of, but you can see into them. The way Guy Manuel describes this song is that it's the core of the record and the memories of the other tracks are revolving around it. Yeah, that I, I didn't know that background to that. That's that's dope. I actually I like that. It's really cool stuff. But yeah, the lyrics are honestly really good. Paul Williams is doing some of like the best work of his career here. Yeah, they're good. And it's like I like for some reason they work here. They they're like almost on that same kind of cornball shit, but they're not somehow. It feels like believably real. And I think it's because it's like it's less my heart is broken <laughs> than like it's like it feels like a real experience that like someone had yeah it's less of like being miserable in your own head and more like a musical adventure basically because you know it starts with these distorted vocals these little pieces of what he's supposed to be saying that are like all fucked up and in the background and whatnot and then it breaks and you hear just Paul Williams' voice in the piano, and he says, touch, I remember, touch, and so on and so forth. And then from there, it builds into that, like, this sort of, like, dancey break that lasts for just a little bit. I wish it lasted longer, but... And then, like, from there, it uh, stops and crescendos into this uh, orchestral part with uh, just Daft Punk themselves, and they say, if love is the answer, you're home, hold on. 
And you know, that builds yeah. and builds. This shit's mind-blowing. It's so good. And then it breaks down again, comes into this uh, whole fucking, like, choir, I think, of children, either women or children or both, like, singing that same refrain over and over. And then that builds and builds and builds, too, until it goes all the way back to just Paul Williams' voice. And it is so good, dude. And that song is eight minutes long, and you do not, at least for me... It doesn't feel eight minutes. You don't feel the length. You don't. Yeah. The song definitely feels like a journey, and like I think of a lot of the elements in the song, like it probably is the one that reminisces like the most of like discovery of like the sounds. Mm -hmm. But the difference here is like they're actually like making the sounds, which is cool. It just feels like it feels like a journey, like as we've already said, like it feels like an adventure, and like it does, it never like wastes a second, like you know. It but also like never, but allows you like catch your breath throughout the whole time. It's not like in your face intense, but like it's it's a journey, and like it won't see you pay attention, but it's never like making you stressed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of its power. Is it like it's always changing? It's giving you room to breathe. It's showing you all these different things in a way that within isn't like really given the space or the time or like the opportunity to do at all. So that's why touch works where within doesn't. Yeah. Like, like I like, I like what, I like what you said about it giving you room to breathe because, you know, I like how it sort of like in the middle almost like there's like a breakdown where it goes into like, the like get lucky thing for like like 30 seconds or whatever i think a lot of there's a lot of albums by other artists where if they were making it they would have put that just at the end just as a transition into get lucky right like they'd have this whole intense thing and then they'd have the climax or whatever and then they would have this like funky breakdown at the end simply because it's before get lucky but they don't do that they just sort of have it in the middle there and then stop and then it goes back to being something else and then it stops, and then you get to hear Get Lucky. Yeah, basically. The sound of the summer. The sound of the summer. Cool song. I wish... This sounds this doesn't sound really picky to me. Like, I wish this album was, like, like five versions of the song. No, I absolutely fucking agree with you. <laughs> like, like, five or six, like, different, like, nine to, like, ten minute long songs. Like, just... Mm-hmm. Represents, like, what they're trying to do best. A lot of, like, Giorgio, in my opinion. It's definitely the core. It's definitely the emotional... Climax of the album. Yeah, it's... Yeah. I remember when I first listened to this, I was like playing Minecraft and I just had it on as a background thing. So I was like, oh, this album's going to be fine. It's probably not going to love it that much. Like that's my fucking mask off moment. I listened to this while just playing Minecraft survival. But like when it got to this song, I like stopped what I was doing and I just listened. And I remember like this is a core memory of mine. I remember like when the choir comes in singing that same refrain that Daft Punk was singing. If love is the answer, you're hold on. Like, I started fucking crying straight up, and I was like, oh my god. And then that fucking ending comes in and just slays you. I love it. It's that. so good. Yeah. You've almost convinced me I'm real. That's a yeah, sick memory to have, to be honest. It, it's really cool. And then after that, it get lucky, and I was like, you didn't even give me time to cry. You just want me to fucking dance and meet. <laughs> Kay told me something a while back about, about uh, get lucky that... I had just, I, I, I had never noticed, I guess, because I'm stupid, but, you know, I've heard the song a million billion times. Get Lucky is, like, one ten-second loop mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, you don't even really notice. At least I didn't. Again, maybe I'm just really stupid. But, like, this time when I listened to it, I was, like, trying to really focus in on, like, just the music. And I was like, oh, my God, she's right. Like, it's, it's but that's, like, that's the Daft Punk way, right? It's like, I have this one perfect 10 second loop it's so good around the world around the world like it's just that's what they're good at taking like a simple phrase and then just like expanding it out to 
five minutes. We're up all night to get lucky. This song, like, blowing the way it did, and, like, as y'all mentioned, like, the 10-second loop, instrumental loop, is really funny to me, because I feel like in a lot of ways, this is, like, such a manufactured, like, radio pop song. Like, they like they knew this was gonna blow up. They, they definitely to. did, they because I'm to. pretty sure Get Lucky was the first single yeah. for this album. Yeah. And, like, you know, the instrumental, the instrumental loop, like, doesn't change, so, like, it's kind of safe, because, like, it never, never surprises you. It's just there the whole time. And they, and they, and they have Pro Williams on He's it. He's way better on this track than he is on Lose Yourself to Dance. Yeah, the least radio-friendly thing about Get Lucky is that it lasts for six minutes, but, like, even then, they have a radio version that's yeah. four minutes. Right. Because it's so repetitive, you can you could cut it to one minute if you wanted to, like... Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 which, once again, I think it just goes back to the whole, like, you know, like, there used to be, like, just radio singles of songs, and there used to be, like, 12-inch extended cuts they would play, like, in the clubs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So like, so, like, I think it's cool, the version Get Lucky on the album is, like, six minutes, and, like, yeah, it gets played in clubs still, mm-hmm. like, like, the full version does, like, because people will just get drunk and it's they'll a fly classic. to it yeah like they'll dance to it it's such a good song absolute classic like this song is like a good example of what I was talking about earlier when I said like in Lose Yourself to Dance you have Nile Rodgers playing that same guitar riff it's, it's not carrying the song in the same way it is in Get Lucky because in Get Lucky you have all these little licks in there that like change up just a little bit not so much that it like actually you know starts surprising you as you said but like enough that it doesn't as we've said it repeatedly it doesn't feel like a six minute song yeah enough to there's enough like variation that you don't start like losing your fucking mind I, i'd rather listen to this Pharrell williams radio hit from 2013 than like blurred lines i'd Absolutely. rather listen to like blurred most music than blurred lines that's also true i just was trying to do a comparison here from that year because that's so I knew... funny that that motherfucker tried to say that he had never heard got to give it up by marvin gay in court what a lying bitch but i mean yeah i mean i mean good single i'm yeah. glad that like that punk like has such a huge hit like especially on their last album like you know like i don't know they made it i mean they, they probably like got like a shit ton of money and like a lot of like traffic and shit when connie sampled um harder better faster stronger for graduation but um th- this 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 was a this was the peak i mean even when uh stronger was popping off like i don't know if either of you were like in the in the daft punk fan spaces but there were always these like rage comics going around with people expressing frustration at the fact that everyone knew the song stronger but did not know that it was heavily sampling a daft punk song it was so funny i never yeah and people would like try and show people harder better faster stronger like the actual song and people were like, oh yeah, this is this is that Kanye song. People, Daft Punk fans would get so fucking mad. It was <laughs> like, nobody, this is what I mean when I say like, nobody fucking knew who Daft Punk was. Like, normal people did not know. Like, Kanye West knew. Well, actually, and normal people Kanye knew West Con- didn't know who Daft Punk was until he heard uh, Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. And like, I had to contact them for permission to sample it. That's the crazy thing. From me. what I understand, I don't know if this is true and I just made it up at some point. But I'm pretty sure, like, Daft Punk is usually, like, like a lot of people try and, like, clear samples with them, and they they usually say no, but they let Kanye do it. And I always thought that was cool, because that was, like, way before, you know, like, Yeezus, when they actually, like, really worked with him, so that they, they saw potential early on.
But yeah, like nobody knew, nobody fucking cared about Daft Punk like as like a cultural institution until uh, Ram came out and specifically Get Lucky. And I remember being a being such a huge Daft Punk fan back then. It was like a triumphant, like it was like a victory for me personally to like get in the car with my mom and my mom is just listening to like some random top 40 station and Daft Punk is on the radio every hour. And I was like, oh, they made it. They really made it. I know it. exactly what that felt like when 21 Pilots became became huge but it was like all the songs i didn't like oh, that, that became fucking huge i was like yeah i didn't i already didn't like this song that much but now i'm hearing it five times a day on the fucking radio at work and now i want to claw my eyes out yeah that's that that sucks no hearing get lucky all the time was probably was magical i I, def, I definitely heard this one on the radio i didn't hear any of the other tracks like when i was a kid in 2013 i had no idea who daft punk was and i would hear get lucky on the radio and i was like this song's good even if it's the same couple lines over and over yeah it's it's a good ass pop song like i don't know if it was intentionally so manufactured to be like the perfect like radio single but like it it does very much check that box it's it's I never get tired of it. It's super appealing, you know, to like a wide variety of tastes and listeners and and it's just really well made and good and they just they just did a great job and they 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 deserved the 414 million plays they have on Spotify and whatever plaques they got for it and they won they I think it. 3 Grammys in total for this album. Yeah. Yeah. They had album of the year for like 2013 and then they got record of the year for Get Lucky and then it was one other. I think it was like best mixed record, which I actually wanted to touch on every time you guys like said this album feels so clean and like the guy who engineered this album is insane. Like he was putting in work beyond work. That guy's name, Mike Dean. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> No, it's it's he's some guy. I don't remember his name off the top I'm of my head. Looking, I'm like, looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling so fast you can't even Scroll I'm faster. Scrolling. I, I'm scrolling faster. so much. Gotta go fast. Oh. Gotta go fast. Gotta go faster, 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 Bob, faster. Bob Ludwig? Bob Ludwig. Yeah, that's him. He really like put in work for this record because I'm sure Daft Punk probably gave him a lot of messy shit and he cleaned it up. It's very clean. Just like mopped it right up. I actually use it as like basically a reference album whenever I'm like testing new audio equipment. I'm like, well, I know what Ram sounds like and it sounds good. So let's try it. <laughs> With all that said about Get Lucky... That discussion lasted longer than the song did. I'm not complaining. This is this is fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm having a good time. We're gonna go into Beyond, which is really good. Beyond I love rules. Beyond. This is sort of like a marriage between like what Touch and what Within were doing, and yes. like it's not better than either of them. Well, it is better than Within, but like it's not better than Touch. No. But yeah, the core conceit of Beyond is like this is a hype track for you, the motherfucker listening to this. You got lyrics like, you know, close your eyes and rise. You are the night, you are the ocean, you're the light behind the cloud. And like, there's no such thing as competition and love's our only mission, that kind of stuff. I feel like it's less of a hype song for the listener, more of a hype song for Daft Punk. I mean, just just like to, to, to take a step back from like being inside of the album itself, like going back to like when they won those Grammys, mm -hmm. I remember that night because the best part of that night was when they won those fucking Grammys. These robot motherfuckers stood up and gave each other the longest hug I've ever seen two men give each other on television. And it yeah, was the most- they've been working towards it for like 20 years. Yeah, it was the most triumphant thing. And like this, like there is no competition, like rise. It's like, they were just like, you know, we have our respect 
in certain circles, we're giving this our all. Whatever happens, you know, whatever our legacy is, we did the best job that we could do kind of thing. And then they actually, like, got a whole lot of, like, mainstream praise and recognition and acclaim and, and money and, and bitches. And, like, it, it, it really feels more like that's this beyond is, like, before they won, before they won the year 2013 or whatever. This um this song's really funny to me at least because the intro sounds like a Super Smash Brothers like intro song it that ties, you need to be able, you the game it. and you're just kind of like okay that's like it really throws you off base yeah that is but, weird um, it's so fucking it's so fucking funny I think it sounds kind of uh well it's a little theatrical this is like the most like theatrical track on the record theatrical like as it that like intro and shit it's like that's when like all of the players are like walking onto the stage kind of shit yeah it's very cinematic for some reason whenever i listen to the song and hear that intro it reminds me of that point in shrek 2 where like funky town is like coming to its end they're going towards the castle in the cart and then it fucking swells into this fucking similar <laughs> orchestral thing with strings and horns and drums and everything for some reason, that's that like so what it calls to mind. It has a similar really sound. Good. Well, you know, the Shrek franchise Is has good. really done a good job at like taking, like really like using music so almost you could argue too effectively yeah i mean what is the first thing you think of when you think of all star by smash mouth what is the first thing you think of when you think of hallelujah right like there's so many like i always say this that that if if they put a song in shrek it's a shrek song absolutely yes because every it always happens that's the thing i like about shrek is that like all the installments came out before like the bastardization of 3d animation none of them have a fucking like Katy perry teenage dream kind of song over like the trailer like don't get me wrong i love me some fucking teenage dream by Katy perry but it always annoys me when a movie studio obviously only picked the song for the trailer because it was cheap to license yeah, and yeah. Not because there was any particular artistic vision and i think they knew that that they were really that their, their power of like destroying a song's legacy like i think they were aware of that because in shrek 2 they did not actually use changes by David Bowie. They used the cover. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think was like out of respect. Like, we don't want to fuck up this song for David Bowie, man. Like, we'll fuck over Paul McCartney. I don't care. But you yeah, know. fuck Paul McCartney. <laughs> but we can't we can't do that to Bowie. I love him, but fuck Paul McCartney. I don't have any strong feelings about Paul McCartney, honestly. That's valid. But you do listen. To I the like Beatles, wings. So I'm get owned. Yeah, I, 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 I like I really like Wayne's. I really like Beatles. Um, Beatles cool. are right. Yeah, no, he's good. Paul's cool. I like his, I like his weird droopy eyes. That's what happens when you smoke a lot of weed. Yeah, true. And live he, he a looks long like, time. He looks like fucking, I think his name is Droopy Dog. Like that cartoon dog. Droopy that's kinda Dog. What he looks like. like if you ever look at a picture of like old Paul and Droopy Dog side by side, that <laughs> kind of looks like that. Google that right now. Okay, I'm Googling. You too, I'm listener. Go- do that right I'm now. I'm Googling Droopy Dog. Thank you. Thank you for the engagement with the listener. I'm sorry, listener. We've been neglecting Oh my God, you. that is Droopy Dog. No, see, Droopy Dog doesn't look British enough. <laughs> Paul McCartney looks, like, distinctly British. But he's like British Droopy Dog. Yeah. I can see it. With that, we move into Motherboard, which is a, probably my third favorite track on this record. I'd say I same. Motherboard so much. That's where I'd put it. I'd put it probably third. Mm-hmm. All I was going to say about it is that it 
does the same thing for me, I think, as Touch and like Beyond. It's another extension of that same like adventure feeling, you know, the sense that this is an odyssey and not like an album so much. I like it. It's very atmospheric and it's it's just It's very wet. It is kind of, yeah. I I I don't even I don't know how to even expl- I just really really like this song a lot. Don't have much to say other than that. I am looking at the play counts on Spotify. I know that really doesn't mean much, but Motherboard is the least popular song on this album on Spotify. Which makes sense. It's kind of a weird. I mean, I mean, this is this is like a straight like instrumental track too. Yeah, it's the only fully instrumental on this one. I think that's why I fuck with it so much. But it is kind of like the uh, like the let's go away for a while of this album. Yeah, because it completely like escapes everything that the album was doing prior. There is none of the rest of the musical identity in here, aside from maybe like a little bit from touch, but like more so in a narrative sense. Like there's no sounds of touch within Motherboard. I think Motherboard is a cool song. The thing that made me realize about this album, I think that I got this point when I got the Motherboard. And I mean, I said, thing, I said the same thing about Touch. It's like, you know, this album's like five different versions of Touch. Like this album would be great. Mm-hmm. But really, if Dat Punk had recorded a bunch of songs like Motherboard and just like made the album full of like elevator music, no vocals. But it's like a lot of spirit the whole time. It'd be a really dope album. Yeah. Like that's kind of like what I'm, I was saying earlier about like Within. It's like just you don't have to sing over it. Like that's like. Like you said, most of this album would be better if there was less singing. And like, I think like with this song, at least like Daft Punk is able to like replicate like an error of like other lives through like they're very nostalgic for. Mm-hmm. And like at times, you know, I, I mentioned before, it sounds like kind of corny, but like it, this doesn't feel like a parody at all. Like it feels like this, this, this feels like a love letter of like their twists on it. Yeah. And you know, it, get, it gets very atmospheric and like there's so much layering of the song. Like it gets really chaotic with like the sound design, like in the middle half and whatnot. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, a, it's a really cool song um there was an album that came out like a few years later after this um there's a artist m83 i think m83 yeah yeah he released an album called junk Hi. and junk was very much like you know like very influenced by like the 80s like media that he really loved but it came off as it, it just came off as, like, as a really bad like parody ripoff of like that, that fucking, stuff that dude ruled vine yeah <laughs> it was like vine m83 music made a midnight city right yeah yeah I'm a basic bitch so i only know that song that song was every like shit post like like every like when I think of that song I think of the whoever made the remix of it to Steppin' on the Beach from SpongeBob. <laughs> like that's that's what it is to me. But I think with Motherboard, I think the issue becomes very apparent that like like this is like one album, but like I feel like Daft Punk wants like make three different albums. Yeah, very yeah. much. So. But didn't have but didn't have the energy to do so. And like one of them is like instrumental album like this, where you know, it's very atmospheric and it's kind of like droney, but it's like cool. But like it also feels very like nostalgic. And there's like the album like full of like the disco hits, like Get Lucky and whatnot. And then there's like Touch. Mm-hmm. Like Touch is just on Leave It's Own. I'm sorry. Like Touch is just. Touch should have been like one off single and it would have ruled. That's fair. Then again, I think, I don't know if Touch works like as well, divorced from the context of Ram. Yeah, if they, if you just like play, if you were just like listening to the radio and like Touch came on after like fucking Shape of You by Ed Sheeran, yeah. like, you'd be like, what the hell is this? You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that'd be like the Spotify AI. They're like, we, we know he's been listening to all of like Ed Sheeran, Shape of You lately. Like, here's Touched by Daft Punk. And you're just like, what? Yeah, like it would just, it would be totally random. It, it, it definitely needs the support of the first half of the record, mm. I think. But within that context, it's beautiful. But yeah, I love Motherboard, but I'm also 
again to compare it to let's go away for a while like everybody really hates the two instrumental tracks on pet sounds um but i've always been a big fan of them and i feel like daft punk probably are too because they put this song on in the middle of their you know fucking powerhouse record of course it's like one of my favorites very, very dope track it's definitely um i think it's like top three for me top three for all of us i'm glad we, we this is something we all agree on definitely yeah, for once. Judges, you're not as much of a hater. I know, I, I know, I, I know. I, I, really, I listen to Skin, and like, I, I don't really... You just don't like the first half, basically? I don't like the first half all that much, but like also, it's like one of those albums where like, like, I listen to it, and I'm like, okay, this is probably like my least favorite Daft Punk album. But like at the same time, I'm like, okay, like I get what they were going for, too. And I think I think at the time it came out, like probably made an impact on like a lot of people to like actually go out and like research music from that time. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of people were like now, even in like mainstream pop music. Like again, the Dawn FM, the the Weekends record that just came out last year. Nobody was really doing anything like that at the time um, that this came out. And I think Ram probably laid the groundwork for a lot of that to become at least like palatable to mainstream audiences i don't want i want to keep this short because i know this has been a really long podcast um Kay, like you mentioned future funk earlier mm-hmm. and like i think i think about this album like when it came out and like if you're someone in gen c you're probably like elementary school middle school when get lucky came out on the radios right so you didn't really have access to a computer at the time probably didn't know what discovery was so you hear get lucky and you're like okay this sounds really good and then you go on the internet and you find out about discovery and then you realize there's like this like role of disco music they've been sampling or influenced by and then they start doing like what Daft Punk did like years ago to make like sp- to make like sped up future funk music like this is like Gen Z's discovery which is kind of funny to say out loud yeah mm. I would say we've wrapped back around to where Discovery is Gen Z's Discovery, but I think Ram was definitely like a big catalyst for a lot of people getting into like Daft Punk for the first time, particularly Get Lucky, because Get Lucky, it's such a like potent portal into the rest of what they do. Exactly. Yeah. So I was 14 when this album came out. Um as in eighth or ninth grade, but I was all, I had already been like a, I was big into French touch. I was like all of that shit, Kavinsky, uh, justice, all those people. So like, I can't speak to that experience, but I did have friends who were the same age and that is exactly what happened. They all were suddenly into Daft Punk, specifically discovery after Ram came out. Yeah. I say this basically all the time, whatever you like, Crumb already liked it 10 years ago. (laughs) What can I say? What can I say? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a trendsetter. I'm a tastemaker. But yeah, still like my least favorite Daft Punk album. Like I wouldn't listen to this like on my own, but like it's, it's like, 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 like my least favorite Daft Punk album is like not a bad album. It's probably like a five out of 10, to be honest. I like it. Like you guys were saying, I wish this album was just more of touch, like more of different versions of touch. Too. I don't know. I, I like what it is. We still got three more songs to talk about. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about Fragments of Times. We'll get through them pretty quickly because honestly, Fragments and Doing It Right don't have that much going on. And I will probably go on like an hour long tangent about contact. Fragments of Time is such a sweet little cute song. It's really sweet and cute. I like it, but it doesn't have that much to say. No, but it's it's cute. It's another one of those songs like with um, Lose Yourself to Dance where I feel like it's more it was more for for them than it was for the listener. It's very nakedly like about the vibes. Mm-hmm. It just feels like it's on me yeah. for a commercial. They like watch as kids. Uh, yeah, I can see like that. the tempo and everything like that. Like I'm like I'm like it's cool. Like I, uh. it's of the era they're trying to evoke, but it's not like of the same vibe like at all. It's it's 
a little bit different, but it it is very sweet yeah. and and just just nice. It's nice. It's nice. It's nice. I really like that they brought back Todd Edwards from like face to face. Todd the God, baby. They should have brought back Romanthony. I think he was already passed away by this point, actually. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he he was no longer living. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. What a what a legend. Um, doing it right. Um, HHH Greg. Panasonic Blu-ray, ninety-nine dollars. Man, that video ruined this song for me. So this is my favorite song on the whole album. What? Okay. Really? No, I'll, I love I'll, the song. I'll accept Holy it. shit. Yeah, I love the song. I think I think the I song think it's good. fucking rules. It's a great song. But like I'm also a millennial who like grew up on the internet like reading Pitchfork in the two thousands. <laughs> so like when when I saw Panda Bear, that was like that was coolest collaboration in the world. Yeah, like Panda Bear rules. Yeah. And like I'm all collective like up to a certain point rules. Like like Person Pitch and like Tomboy are phenomenal albums. So like to get Panda Bear on this, like out of all the artists, like Julie Casablanca's like made sense because he was like, you know, big. And I mean Panda Bear was like kinda of big too of like Animal Collective. Like they weren't like the strokes big. Big with like the pitchfork people not big like the stroke yeah so like it's, at a it, glance when you look at all the collaborators on this album if you know who like everyone is you see all these big disco names you'll see julian casablancas and you're like whoa and then you see panda bear and you're like what, what? yeah it's 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 a pretty cool it's pretty cool and it is a good it's a it is a good song i just the fucking hh greg video really I have not seen this video before. Oh my How God. have you not seen this video? I haven't. I'm, I'm just going to send it in the little Discord group. Okay, I'll watch it later. Yeah, but don't like, watch it right now because you might get mad because it's so funny and good. Maybe maybe you should listen to it right now. I think that would be pretty funny. A live reaction. I will say the one thing about song that like I said about Instant Crush is that it does not feel... It feels so out of place on this album. It's <laughs> like, way more modern, like sounding. It does not sound like any kind yeah. of retro vibe at all. And like this whole al- this whole album, like I know is like sample based from like live musicians, like they had like in the studio. Mm-hmm. But this one, if you told me like they like found the sample on YouTube and like cut it and spliced it like on Ableton, like on their laptops, I would believe you. Yeah, yeah. I think in an interview with Pitchfork at one point, like right before they released the album, they said like this is the only track on this album that is one hundred percent digital. For everything else, they were like fully on their shit, like they were recording everything on the tape they were using like a fucking eight track straight up all that mm-hmm. stuff but yeah like this could be like same issue with the julie casablanca song in terms of the album itself it's like this could have been like on tomboy like as Panda bear feature and daft punk mm-hmm. and it would not feel out of place on that album but it feels kind of out of place on this album it is weird it's it's weird it feels like the, as the record goes on it becomes less cohesive like they sort of um and i don't say this necessarily negatively but they sort of lose sight of the whatever vision give life back to music through within is going for like the yeah. first four tracks and then like after instant crush you're kind of like okay what the fuck <laughs> yeah uh, to me it feels pretty cohesive until we get to motherboard because motherboard has sort of like a finality to it and its sound like something about that you feel like that should probably be like one of the last songs but then you look at the list and there's three more yeah i think i think a lot of the songs on this record sound like closers That's i think the panda bear song being released as the third single is fucking nuts like it's looking a good back at song it's a good ass song but like it's so fucking nuts that like you had like get lucky and like i don't remember i don't remember what the second single was i think it, it was, was lose, yourself. lose yourself to dance this song is so out of like love feel for the rest of the album <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, true. And like, I remember when the song came out because it's so conflicting because it's like Panda Bear is like on a big track. And this is kind of like, 
poppier for like panda bear standards mm -hmm. and people are like uh, no, 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 no. but like it's cool that like he got to be on the song like i think it's on like rules i think it fucks i i mean this is my favorite song the whole album like this is the one i go back to all the time to be honest like i listen to this song like probably every few weeks and i'm like still like this is still like the coolest collaboration that like like my 19 year old like mind was like blown when this happened <laughs> I love that. I like how this record has so many like nostalgic kind of stories and feelings for all of us in different ways. Because to me, listening to this for the podcast was really an exercise in trying to really think of it and listen to it and examine it removed from all my nostalgia that I do have for the specific time and place I was and the age I was and everything when this album came out. Yeah, we're, we're probably going to be doing a lot of that as we go down our album list. Yeah. I mean, but like sometimes it's hard to, you know, you know, I, I think I was worried that like I would I would listen to the album and it would just be I'd be like, all right, it's just it's a front to back banger. I don't have anything to say, but like, nah, you know, I, I can I think it's it's we're we're doing, a I think, a good job of like being able to remember the good times, but also think critically like, OK, like like within fucking sucks and, you yeah. know, like stuff like that. I think it's I think it's because we have a hater on. <laughs> I think it's good. Like I always mention this because like people think I'm just like a straight up hater. And the thing is, it's like I, I criticize a lot of things, but like there's things like I love that I criticize like media. Yeah. But like the thing is, is like if you love it, you should like you should be able to accept their faults. And like I think it's cool on like your part, Crumb, that like you listen to this now and like you thought like oh I'm just gonna, I think I'm just gonna say like I really love the album, but now you're like you're older and it's like ten years since this album came out, and now you're like okay like I don't I really don't like this part of the album, but like you still love it like that love of the album like hasn't decreased at all but like now you're now you're like okay like i like i don't really like this about the album but like it doesn't like change my feelings about it but like i don't i think so, i think it's a mature thing to do i don't know no i i appreciate you saying that because it does feel good to do it feels good in my brain to not just accept like yes th this thing that i loved when i was 14 was perfect and i'm never going to try to think of it in any other way ever again <laughs> like that's just mm -hmm. it's like the definition of like arrested development i don't ever want to be like that especially not with music something that i just i love and care about so much and is so important to me i want to have that open mind and you know i i'm saying oh you're a hater i'm mostly joking the, I, know, I know i wouldn't want you here talking about this album if i didn't highly respect your weird ass takes that you always have <laughs> well thank you i i appreciate that <laughs> But yeah, it's really like it's a good trait to have to be able to like look at something you love, find the flaws in it and think about, well, what would I have done differently or what could they have done differently? What are some parallels I can draw between this thing that does it better? Because sure. when you just when all you have is like nostalgia and something is just like in that cage of nostalgia, you know, it's behind those rose colored glasses and that's all you ever look at it as. That's how you become like one of those 60 year old dudes who goes on YouTube and like comments on Led Zeppelin videos. This is when music was real exactly you know? yeah and like daft punk clearly were not about that either when they made this fucking record they were mm -hmm. like fuck you we, you know we love now rogers but we're also gonna throw pharrell and panda bear and julian casablancas on here like they were they're totally open-minded i remember they they probably around the same time they made some comment about how they were they really liked skrillex 
And I remember that being really controversial, but like, I remember thinking like, even as a kid, like being like, I respect that, you know, that these are like kind of old heads, especially in the electronic music scene, being very accepting and into what the quote unquote kids were doing. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think it was cool for Daft Punk to be like, oh, Skrillex is cool. But like, Daft Punk was like so new and like revolutionary at that time too. But, like some people saw it as like dead brain, but like it was it, it, like Skrillex like blew up with that sound and like oh, yeah. it influenced like so many kids, just like how Daft Punk had influenced to make his discovery absolutely and it's like wild too like and you've seen like skrillex has evolved from that sound so much yeah so far removed and like looking back now like at the apex twin status facebook oh my status, god like, i was gonna talk about that. like it's kind of cool now that like i mean he has not like 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 to me like musically like in the terms of sound like has not reached his like has not reached apex twin no. but like the like the two albums that came out this year especially the first album like i definitely feel like he is like more of like himself and like branching out and like i don't know i think i think it's cool and like i think that punk has that punk did the same to be honest yeah because if this album would just been like discovery too like i probably would hate it more because it would just be tired yeah and I mean, Skrillex himself has gone on record and said that, like, I don't remember if it was, like, the impetus for him wanting to make music or reinvent his career uh, posts from first to last or what, but he saw Daft Punk on tour in 2007 during the Alive 2007 tour, and, like, it, like, fucking changed his life. So this is a dude who's always been, like, reverent to these kind of artists, Aphex Twin, uh, Daft Punk, you know, stuff like that, even when he was making Screamo or, like, you know, straight dubstep or whatever. Like, so I can, it makes sense to me that Daft Punk would see that in him as an artist be like yeah we fuck with Mm -hmm. this yeah for sure let's talk about contact it's the last song on the album um i think this song is amazing i wish that i think it would work better if the track list order were changed how would you order it off the top of my head i only know like one change that i would make which is that i would put doing it right a little bit earlier because it doesn't really feel very final i don't think like Mm -hmm. it's a decent song like it doesn't feel like it should lead into contact you know yeah it's kind of whiplash i would have taken motherboard moved it to right before contact left fragments of time like where it is maybe put doing it right a little bit earlier in the record i would have given i would have put more space between the game of love and within because like we were saying the album slows to a halt like twice in the first 30 minutes or so yeah and other than that i would generally leave it kind of like the same obviously touch would still have to be tracked seven because that you know that's the center of the record but just like It is paced very strangely, and and I don't, like, you know, like I said, I think a lot of these songs would probably work well as closers, so I don't really know how I, if if it was up to me, how I would fucking reorganize this album, but Mm -hmm. it's definitely weird the way it's laid out. Definitely weird. It's very weird. I think Contact is a good closer, though. I think it's perfectly acceptable as a closer, and I think it's a really cool like journey of a song Mm. contact is one of my favorite like songs not just on this record but like of all fucking time it's great just because it's so good yeah it's great it really feels like contact to me feels more like the peak like of what they were like capable of at the time because like this is like chronologically their last song that isn't like you know being produced for somebody else exactly yeah but uh yeah 
Obviously, if you've listened to the album before listening to this, you know this, but we're going to recap it anyway. This song starts with a sample by uh, Eugene Cernan from one of, I think, Apollo 17, like the last mission to the moon. And like they were coming back towards Earth when, uh, well, Eugene Cernan basically, he gave this little transmission. What he says is like, hey, Bob, I'm looking at what Jack was talking about. It's not a park. It's nearby. He gives this whole little like bit of information about some object he sees on the horizon. This was taken directly from like uh, NASA's mission logs because Daft Punk talked to NASA they were like hey can we can we can we can you can you give us the pussy and NASA was like yeah okay so they gave them access to this full fucking catalog of like mission logs from 50 years ago so then what happens is they take this particular transmission and they sample it and on its own it's not especially interesting but the very last line of it that he says I don't know whether that does you any good but there's something out there and I think it's very intentional that Daft Punk ended on this line. Yeah, for real. I, that to me really gets at what I think makes it such a good and effective closing track, not just for the album, but maybe even for their, you know, career. Because it, it, it just, it's not only like them saying something about, you know, like their own work or whatever. This song to me feels like one, like, I don't remember which song it was, but somebody said one of the songs sounds like it's to the the listener was it like beyond mm-hmm. i don't i don't think that i think contact is a message for everybody else like more than anything and it's really like thank you for your time keep mm-hmm. like keep you know looking out to the fucking to the horizon because there's there's aliens out there and it's not just and like in an alien sense because it fucking immediately blows your goddamn mind with this music that just keeps escalating and escalating and yeah. escalating it, it's expanding on i think what uh beyond was trying to say where it's like hey there's like there's something out there yeah. go fucking find it you know create yeah. something add something to this world exactly that's exactly how i feel and i feel like if this album is the final daft punk album i think that that message is the most important theme or message that they were putting across with the whole record i think it's the most important thing they could have said to end their career on and i think they would be smart to leave it at that i really do yeah as far as like final songs go contact is probably one of the best ever done it's fantastic like this is on par with not to be a fucking beatles nerd this is like the equivalent to what the beatles did on the end like they fucking you know they give you a little bit of this and then they fucking fire on all cylinders you know you got the guitar going crazy you got the drums going crazy contact does that same thing it's like well this is the fucking end so we're going to give you an ending yeah I want to point out the song because I don't think I really have much more to add to it. It's very proggy, like for most of it. You know, it feels it feels like in tune with the rest of the album, but then the last minute it gets, it gets really fucking industrial yes. noise. Yeah, and that's something I really like about it too. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and like I've always thought of that, like because this came out in 2013, that like that's the sound that like Dat Punk was like saying like this is the sound they really love right now, mm-hmm. and ironically, kind of feels like a good like transition to onside. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> 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 if we if we ever talk about Jesus, we're gonna have to bring you back on. Absolutely. But like I love that last minute because it's so left field, like out like the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like if they have, had ever made like a human after all too, like it probably been very industrial sounding like that. I think like I feel like that was like because like the whole album at this point, you know, besides the few outliers like doing it right and like the Julian Casablanca song, it's very much like a love letter, you know, mm-hmm. that, like the seventies, eighties sound. And that last minute of contact just feels it feels like it feels like the most modern like sound out of this whole album, but it's only for a minute. Yeah, just a little taste. And that's how it ends. 
it's, it's just, everything it's, it's just, it wraps it all up it really like all the other flaws and whatever other weird shit that doesn't really work in the rest of the record i feel like contact really makes up for a lot of it if yeah, not definitely. all of it it's it's brilliant it's just brilliant there's like an alternative universe where Daft Punk never got big like the way they did and they're playing like a golf bars playing golf bars playing like industrial noise music to like <laughs> freaks hell yeah I want to live in that universe. I want to live in that universe and then go to their gig and be point at the modular fucking synth and be like, you got games on that thing? <laughs> I bet. No, I mean, I mean, I think this is a good closer. Um, you know, I think, I mean, as y'all said, like, I think um, it's a good message to like the, to, to, like, the listener. Yeah, I, I don't really have much more to add to this. I think the last minute is just really sick, though. Like, yeah. you know, like, if it was just, if this last, if this song was just, like, the last minute, like, holy shit. Yeah, I, I, I love Daft Punk. I, I really do. In my eyes, they are still legends. And I know a lot of people, including my dear sweet husband, were very upset and in denial about um, them officially disbanding. But if that is the case, that this was their last effort, and I think it was a good last effort, I respect anyone who quits while they're ahead. And I think... That's what they did. Yeah, that's definitely what they did because they never toured uh, Random Access Memories. It's very much not like a no. touring album. No, yeah. It's... They released this and they vanished. They yeah. did a couple collabs, obviously, but beyond that, yeah. I don't think this album would have been like feasible to tour no. at all. Absolutely just because, not, like, yeah. because because this was all like almost all these session musicians and they're pretty much like conducting those session musicians the whole time. It wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a cheap tour. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, it yeah. No, it wouldn't. Have it worked. probably would have been like fucking like gorillas tour level of like nightmare logistics. Yeah. How were they gonna get Pharrell to come hang out with them for like a year or six months or whatever when he's at the peak of his happy fame? They they just get like they just get like the hologram of Pharrell to come out every night. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, literally do the gorillas thing yeah no and I, I you know what maybe they just maybe they knew that and they did it on purpose because the whole meme of daft punk for many years was like will they ever do anything ever again and like it was all very like mysterious and like Alive 2017 yeah it was very frustrating and 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 I think that, you know, with hindsight now living in, you know, 2023, where Daft Punk has officially broken up and it's They're over and da, da 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 back, looking back, it should have been very clear that they were done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely agree with you. I like, I never like when I like, read the news, they like officially broke up like publicly. In my head, I was just kind of like, oh, like I think it already happened like years ago. Yeah. Because, because, they, because they hadn't really done anything since like that weekend album. That album came out like, in like 2016. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was probably just done. They like probably worked on that weekend album. And like, I feel like unfortunately, I'm not trying to like do too much of a theory here, but like they probably realized they had like pigeonholed themselves into like they had to like replicate that sound forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they like kept on, if they kept on like, making music, like everyone's going to compare like their next album to like Random Access Memories. Because like the weekend, comp- the weekend stuff sounds definitely sounds like ram 2.0 yeah it's extremely rammy yeah and like i feel like they i feel like they knew like they had to think ram probably forever they ever wanted to achieve the success they they got with ram again and it's just like yeah it's not it's not seasonable and it's like they always were trying to change it up right yeah from what i read in the uh pitchfork interview where i also found that quote where uh gay man is like oh yeah uh touches the core of the record they said the very same thing it's like we tried to like start making this album but then we realized like this doesn't feel right this is just too familiar you know so they were like fuck it we'll make a disco album and that was like the inciting event behind uh, making random access memories and it's like 
where do you where do they even go from here? Because at that point, they've done basically you know everything they can do. Yeah, mm-hmm. they had respect from the people in the industry. Then they got mainstream, non-industry acclaim. You know, success. All this, all this stuff. They had collaborated with all of these legends. They had it influenced a whole new you know resurgence of of people being into disco. Like they were like, yeah, what else? What else do you want from me? And I know that Daft Punk is the kind of artist where the people who are really into them have a hard time, like, letting go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I, personally, at least, I never thought there was going to be an Alive 2017. (laughs) Like, I know these motherfuckers. They're done. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad for what they did for us while they were still active. Yeah, what they did was like kind of what I wish Kanye would have done after Pablo, you know, quit while you're ahead. I wish Kanye had retired after Pablo too. God damn it. If only. I've like it's been like very obvious throughout this whole thing, like this is not my favorite Daft Punk album. Like I don't think it's like musically like their peak. Mm-hmm. But like I think in terms of success and like reaching an audience, this is their peak. And, like, you might as well just retire while you're on top. Exactly. And, like, they were never going to achieve this much success ever again. I mean, that was never their goal, though. It's like a right place, right time kind of thing. Yeah. Like, if Get Lucky came out today, it would not be the chart smasher that it would it was not be a, the sound of the summer ago. no it, it simply would not be the sound of the summer but, but you know it's wild too is that like get lucky feels to me like the death of like like not like radio singles but like um like only slowly relying on radio singles for like charts and whatnot because like spotify started getting really big that year and like you have streaming services pop up it, it became like a whole different era like yeah. right after that it's like it's such like a weird it feels like such like a weird transition and i, I like i feel like with random access memories as much as I've been like, I don't like this or whatever like that, like, I feel like they were they were music nerds at the end of the day and music nerds at heart. And they were able to share their knowledge of all this music they like they, they know and like were influenced by and like loved as kids and adults and like share with the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think they've transitioned now to this even more elder statesman kind of role where they're just like occasionally they'll like executive produce someone else's record and i think that's a role that really really suits them now at this point i definitely agree with you there i mean like you know it's like a sad death for a lot of people like i i hate to compare it this way but i feel like if like porter robinson announced he was never gonna make music again like a lot of people online would be like you know like really upset you know yeah. and like the day that Daft punk officially announced they're like done like i saw like some people like i knew in real life real life like really upset about it and like i and like but you know they're all like I hate to say this, they're all, like, nerds who, like, grew up on the internet. Yeah. And, like, Daft Punk was, like, one of, like, the centuries of, like, you know, if you liked anime and cartoons and Tanami and stuff in the 2000s, like, Discovery was big because it was, like, cool to like, have, like, these producer guys who, like, wore, like, robot helmets, like, make music that, like, pertained to your interests. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like a, like a loss of, like, your childhood ending kind of moment for a lot of people, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I mean, it was really wild to see, but, like, it also showed that, like, they touched a lot of people's hearts, and, like, maybe with this album, like, they touched, they touched a lot of other people's, you know, like, they, not like that same audience, but, like, you know, it was widespread, but, like, it was still big for everyone, like, you know, when they broke up, it was, like, the biggest music news that day. Yeah, absolutely, it was my whole timeline for yeah. like two days yeah their impact is undeniable but i i wouldn't want if if they wanted to stop making music which it sounds like that's what they want to do then i don't want to be the person sitting here begging them to come back 
Because if they did, if they were like, okay, fine, they're not going to make anything good. I'm so glad that we talked about this. Feels good. Became a much more constructive talk than I thought it would be, to be really honest. <laughs> yeah, I thought we were going to be spending like maybe an hour at most being like, I love this song, I love this song, and then you being like, I fucking hate this song. Exactly. Yeah, that's 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 that was my worry, I think. This has really like calmed my nerves about the podcast going forward, honestly. Like feel much better about it and i'm really glad that chet has, has lent his time to us you've to been a fucking excellent guest fucking hate you added a lot to this conversation i'm glad um i mean you know it's kind of wild like i went back to listen to this album and like i never like i hated this album when it came out but also it's like a 19 year old like hipster guy you know so like that funk to me like become like a big radio hit was like it's like poison Death to me yeah it was like poison it was like poison and like now i'm like i'm 29 you know like i'll be 30 here in a few months which is wild old and like i don't have those opinions anymore you know like i don't really care if anything's like big or not and like you know i, I still don't like this album a whole lot but like i really appreciate for a lot of what it's going for and i still think the pen to bear song is the best song so i mean i think that's a great note to leave it on yeah <laughs> so should we do like a closing message um so when they ended that little spoken word intro part on there's something out there, I think that's a deliberate message to the listener that like there's not only all kinds of music out there that hasn't been either explored much or like even invented yet, but there's also meaning out there for you to find. Because the way that I interpreted Beyond earlier was like this is a song to inspire the listener. This is a song reaffirming everything that they need to believe about themselves to create great art. And ultimately, that's what There's Something Out There means. And it ties back into the record's themes of paying respects to those who came before you and who paved the way for you. And the feeling of like looking upon events and others' memories. Like, There's so much out there. Go find it. So this has been Girl Put Your Records On. Uh, if you liked the show and you want to keep up with updates and new episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at GPuro Podcast. That's G-P-U-R-O Podcast. Crumbs on Twitter at Lil Oblique. That's L-I-L-O-B-L-I-Q-U-E. And Cheddas is on Twitter at Cheddas. That's C-H-E-D-D-A-H-Z. And I am also at Twitter at Nyctocide. That's N-Y-C-T-O-C-I-D-E. And uh, we hope you enjoyed listening and that you'll come back and uh, hang out with us again. See ya. Good night, sweet prince.